North-South Connection, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast, back to our reg- regularly regularly scheduled, easy for me to say, uh, timeline here on the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. The uh, WrestleMania festivities are over, and so we'll dip back into Raw and SmackDown. So I've decided to try this out, um, change things up a bit, and that, um, so for this whole stretch here, from, uh, you know, this first week of TV onto the pay-per-view, I'm going to keep the same guests because I've found someone who is willing to commit to doing this whole month of TV with me, and they will cap it off with a pay-per-view. I thought it would be something to change it up. That way, whoever's with me kind of is in tune with all the storylines and stuff going to the pay-per-view, and it would bring, like, uh, some nice synergy. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but whatever. Anyway, the person that has agreed to cover this stretch, this post-mania stretch up to Backlash, is... Uh, no shocker here, my most frequent podcast pal, and that is Logan Crossland. Thanks for joining me, Logan, as we uh, embark on this month of TV into Backlash. Well, thank you for me being, or me being your first choice and everything. So I think I'm the first person to appear on three consecutive episodes, so um, right. there's that. Um, but uh, after we talk about Raw, I may renege on this whole thing and uh, back out because it's pretty <laughs> terrible, so. But we'll get into it. So, <laughs> yes, we'll get to raw. We'll see how they. Um, as we're going to get to the uh, not quite into the trend of uh, them thinking of the raw after mania as part of the whole mania package quite yet. Um, as we're going to get to, uh, but yeah, I mean, we could. We'll start diving right in. I don't really have any news for this because. Honestly, anything that was newsworthy is kind of just dealing with all of the injuries and shit for Mania, which we kind of discussed when we did the Mania of WrestleMania and the build to WrestleMania. 
And so, I mean, we're all pretty caught up on that. Uh, listen to the last episode where we talked about the film. Because most of the news right now is just about how fucking injured everyone is between uh, <laughs> Kurt Angle and then Brock fell on his head at the actual show doing the Shooting Star Press. Austin, which is going to play into the storyline here, his he has major issues with his neck. So that's kind of really the only real significant news. I mean, we'll see a big return on this show, but it's not, I mean, we'll get to that as part of the show. I mean, the, the way it happened, it's being, they've been trying to do it for a while now and they finally just pulled the trigger and got him. But yeah, not a whole lot as far as news. It's just, we're off of mania and we are, we're here in this post mania stretch to see how they follow this up. And uh, so we'll start with raw. I mean, we'll go right into it. Uh, still in Seattle here. Um, I didn't catch the arena. I don't know if they were still a key at this point or whatever, but uh, this would I be March. Was, yeah. yeah, I think so. Uh, so March 31st, 03, night after WrestleMania. Uh, we get the full video recap of the show. Um, I believe it's pretty much the same one they ended the show with. So uh, I have to say, as somebody who didn't always, I've spoken many times about how I was not in a family where we bought all the pay-per-views because my parents were not shelling out that kind of dough. Uh, I stuff like this, like I live for, cause it wasn't, it still wasn't quite like the internet where you could go. I mean, you might be able to look up the results or something, but usually for me, it was, if I didn't get the show, it was tuning into, to raw the next night and them showing something like this to kind of let me know what happened at the show. So I like live for this shit, like this video package that they show here, that just kind of recaps all the results. So um, I could see if you were somebody like me, I would have been hyped right out of the get-go with this video package. No, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, pretty much recapped the whole show, all the matches, um, had the Crack Addict song going on. So, um, yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely got you hyped for the show. And, you know, if you were, and I was the same way, um, I didn't get to get pay-per-views till much later, and I kind of had to help pay for them uh, once I got to that point. So, um, but yeah, if you, if you weren't getting the pay-per-views, uh, th- that was a spot you live for to see all the highlights, you know, you, like you said, you may know the results, but you didn't get to see like some of the action or all the action. So, um, pretty awesome. Right. And you actually got to see a little bit of action here as a, they didn't just give you the old stills. You actually got a little bit of uh emotion here. So. Very yeah. They, did, they didn't screw you like a TNA and give you just the pictures and everything. They actually showed right. you a little bit. The highlights. <laughs> right. Back in the 90s, I think even WWF was doing that because they wanted you to yeah, buy that damn replay on Tuesdays. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we uh, we cut to The Rock, who's um, with his stylist here. He's uh, on cloud nine after his big win against Stone Cold. Uh, he trolls his stylist, who I think at one point he calls um, Fernando. And then another time, mm-hmm. I forget what he, he called him Fernando. And um, I forgot, the, I didn't note the other one. But I. Uh, did you did you catch it? What is other? No, I think I just <laughs> caught Fernando. I think I, I think I only yeah. heard Fernando, so I'm with you. <laughs> Fernando is the best one, but uh, he trolls him because it's Rock Appreciation Night. Uh, but quickly after that, uh, we go to the ring where Austin is out there. He says uh, he starts to cut his promo. He says he's he's going to be honest. He got beat, and uh, he'll shake Rock's hand because he did end up beating. And uh, <laughs> and he tells Rock, he's like, "Why don't you get out here and let me shake your damn hand?" He was very adamant that uh, Rock comes out and shakes his hand. But instead of getting to Rock on Rock Appreciation Night, he gets Eric Bischoff, who comes out. And uh, he gives a scoop on what the real scoop on uh, Austin's hospital stay. He says there's nothing to do with an anxiety attack or anything of that. It was um, he rattles off some medical jargon here. But the uh, the 
the thesis here is that Austin's uh, stack of dimes is real fucked up. Uh, uh, that he's got a bad neck. His neck is a, ref, uh, a wreck. I love the the. It's a great heel touch. Him with his little reading glasses, reading this off. Eric, I thought it was real well done. Uh, just a little extra heel spice there. But uh, Austin mm-hmm. looks a little thrown. He wants Eric to come down the ring and go tell him to come tell it to me like a man. God damn it! And uh, <laughs> Eric refuses. And at the top of the ramp, ends up firing him and says, uh, "The FedEx will be on the way to Texas." So. Um, and at that point, I was like, hey, I get that reference. That's a reference to when he's fired at WCW. But, mm-hmm. uh, and so we, we kind of end on that. And Austin looks a little bit dejected. Uh, but it definitely seems like with all this, obviously, we know the real-life stuff going on, that it was pretty much his de facto retirement match at Mania 19. But it does, they're hitting the ground running on this and setting us up for Austin's next phase by bringing in the real-life stuff. Um, it. And at least I thought with this is establishing that even if he's done in the ring, he's not going to immediately step away because if he was going to do that, he would have just not been on the show. They would have said, you know, Austin's hurt. He's not here. Like they obviously have plans for him in some form, right? They wouldn't even bother to do all this shit with Eric Bischoff. Yeah, you're definitely right. It, it implied that, you know, maybe, maybe that there's another role for him down the line. Uh, obviously, he can't wrestle anymore with all the stuff. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll get into it later, but he refers to his neck as a pile of trash at one point. <laughs> um, <laughs> in classic uh, Austin fashion. Um, and then the whole rock thing before the mat, or before the, the Austin promo, he, he was, uh, Fernando was trying to put makeup on him. He's like, you don't put the, rock, or the, or the makeup on the rock's perfect face or something like that. And then he notices he has like a blemish or something like that. And he says, <laughs> all right, cover the people's pimple. Come on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, obviously the Austin stuff, uh, is going to lead to something eventually, uh, maybe not soon, but it, it, it does down the line, uh, kind of sets him and Bishop Bishop off his, uh, you know, rivals once again. So, um, yeah, good, good, solid segment. And Austin looked legitimately sad, uh, after all this segment happened off. So I wonder if it got real emotions really got to him that night. Right. But yeah, and as we'll see later in the show, even this is not the end of where he'll be on the show tonight. So it's not even like they just wanted him to come and give a goodbye or something like he's yeah, he stayed in the mix for sure. So they they throw that out right at the gate. And I think it's smart of them because they want to know, like, hey, we know Raw has been a little shaky, but look, Stone Cold's still here. If he's not wrestling, I mean, honestly, half of what you want to see him for is, you know, him, the character. So he's still going to be here. Mm hmm. All right, yeah. and then we get to a um, a very random match here, as it's going to be a Hurricane versus Triple H. This reminded me, this felt like a little bit of a throwback, like uh, like a 90s throwback, having the champ do like a pretty basic TV. I, guess, I don't know if they said if this was non-tile or not. It doesn't matter. Hurricane's not going to win. We know that. Um, but uh, just like <laughs> the champ to do like a basic TV title defense after the big match. Like, I feel like they don't do that as much anymore. Usually I just have them come out and cut a promo or something. But uh, And I didn't hate it. I don't hate the idea of this. I thought Hurricane was kind of a, um, I guess, an okay opponent. I think the motivation is as, as we go through the match, we'll, we'll come through, but, uh, flair, uh, <laughs> flair takes the mask from the, uh, the small child, like a complete <laughs> asshole, which was a, a good little heel moment. Um, and that's where we start the match. As hurricane goes after flair, triple H takes advantage of that and throws hurricane in the ring. Uh, but hurricane qu- quickly avoids the vertical suplex hits a nice, uh, flurry here with the neck breaker followed by his, uh, classic shining wizard. He uh, gives Flair a baseball slide and uh, hits a choke slam on Triple H. So uh, pretty hot and heavy for Hurricane. Uh, he hits a cross body, uh, 
Triple H uh, tries to get the pedigree versus that, and uh, Hurricane goes for his own pedigree. Uh, finally goes up top, goes for the blockbuster, misses that, and that is Triple H's opening to go in and hit the pedigree. So I enjoyed a lot of the Hurricanes offense. I mean, I always do, but it was cool. The crowd got pretty into it. I don't think they ever got to the point where you really thought he had any legitimate shot. Like, it didn't go full, like, um, Jeff Hardy in Undertaker mode. But he did make Hurricane look good. It was I felt like it was very much him saying, like, uh, all right, Rocky, if you can get a good match at a hurricane, so can I. I'm just as good as you. So I felt like that was kind of why Hurricane was picked for this. But I, I thought it was pretty fun for for what it was. Um, you know, uh, like I said, not enough to really truly buy in, but I thought it was quick and entertaining to see her, um, Hurricane get his shit in and uh, Flair healing off. I thought the whole package was pretty solid. And, you know, I don't mind this as opposed to Triple H coming out and cutting like a 10-minute promo about how great he is after the win. I kind of preferred this as a fun little match. So I ended up going two and three quarters on it. Yeah, I, I went I went uh, two and a half. I, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, like you said, Hurricane gives the replica mask to the kid, and then Flair steals it. And then, of course, uh, J- JR makes fun of uh, Flair's banana nose and that he couldn't get the mask over it if he tried to put it <laughs> on or whatever. So, And he actually tries to put it on and can't get it around his head, so he just throws it <laughs> on the ground and smashes it. So um, There was a really cool uh, Tornado DDT by Hurricane at one point. I thought that was awesome. I was really surprised he actually hit the Hurra Slam. Because uh, he actually he goes for it a lot in a lot of his matches, but he hardly ever hits it. So the fact that he hit it in this match was pretty cool. Uh, it was a competitive enough match uh, where Triple H gave you know Hurricane more offense than you'd ever expect him to. This would this is a prime moment where Triple H just buries somebody and just completely squashes him. So uh, the fact that he gave Hurricane a good bit of offense uh, made made me like like Triple H a little bit more uh, on this night than I usually would. So um, yeah, like I said, two and a half. I thought it was a really good opener. Right, and as a, a sign of what's to come later in the show, I feel like this is more of what Raw needs. Like, it still, it, it get, gets Triple H on here. We get him and Flair doing their whole, you know, getting over Flair as the manager, the heel manager. You know, we get to see Triple H after his win. But it's, like, interesting. It keeps the show going where we have a nice little, you know, six-minute match or something. They need more of this, but. For sure. All right, we, uh, we head backstage with Kane and RVD. They discuss a possible split. Kane's feeling like a little bit like, you know what? Maybe it's time they go their separate ways. But Rob says, wait a second, Kane. I got a title shot. No interference. Uh, but the only problem is, is that if we lose, we have to join the Bischoff administration, which is a, a new term that I feel like they're starting to push on here. We're going to hear it a few times. But uh, Kane's not happy about this. Um, you know, he tells Rob, he's like, why would you set this up? I don't want to be in the Bischoff administration if we lose. And it walks away frustrated. And then RVD hits a great classic RVD line. But, dude, <laughs> we're going to win. <laughs> awesome. Like, dumbass, we're going to win. Don't worry about it, bro. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, awesome, awesome little segment between them. Kane showed some fire being pissed off that he had kind of signed him up for something he wasn't ready to go through with. But um, it's good to see them continuing as a team. Be more confident, Kane. You're like seven feet tall. You're yeah, like a come beast. On, man. You're the big man, man machine. Believe come on. In, <laughs> believe in the team. All right. So we'll see that later. Um, we find out that Goldberg, who uh, was announced that he would be returning, they made the announcement at WrestleMania, but that he's going to be at Backlash. So already out of the gate, not trying to surprise us with that, trying to sell Backlash on um, the Goldberg return. And, um, I have a comment on this one before you move on. Mm-hmm. There oh, was this ahead. weird thing. They showed the vignette, like, pr- hyping him and hyping that he'd be at Backlash. But then they, like, randomly cut back to the crowd. 
for like a second and then it went to commercial so it was like what were they doing why did they not just go straight from the vignette to commercial like they came back from the vignette and king was like oh my gosh and it went straight to commercial so i I was very thrown off by that right almost it's almost like they edited something out on peacock or something like maybe there was some segment that they took out yeah Yeah. very odd but you know raw's live we're live pal so never know (laughs) anything can happen um, including uh, Chris Nowinski versus Scott Steiner. Um, oh Jesus! <laughs> which is our uh, which is our next match. Uh, so what Steiner's going to do in his post, uh, you know, main event run, and uh, Nowinski is still being Nowinski. He has a facial apparatus here, um, the uh, classic with Cody <laughs> Rhodes would, la- <laughs> would, would later wear. Um, uh, he tries to tell uh, <laughs> tell Steiner not to. He's like, no, it's fine. I'll take off the. Uh, the equipment just don't hit me in the face and then Steiner cuts this promo tell him like he's like that's all i'm gonna do is hit you in the face you're gonna be flossing with your shoelaces because my foot's gonna be so far up your ass so <laughs> just a good uh classic insane steiner promo uh but it's it's a lot of the winsky bumping around for steiner just toss around the whole vibe i got I, I realized watching this that this era of um of scott steiner he reminds me of a very 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 impoverished like modern brock where like, like all he does is like the belly to bellies. It's like suplex yeah. city, but like he's more yep. immobile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not a lot of elevation on those for Mr. Nowinski. Uh, only offense Nowinski really gets is a few clotheslines. Uh, he gets locked in a Steiner recliner, and that's pretty much all she wrote. It was just pretty much Nowinski getting his ass kicked by Scott Steiner. I ended up going a half a star on it. I mean, it, I mean it was all right. It was just essentially a squash here. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, I, my, my first note was that we've entered the nose protector phase of uh, Nowitzki's career, but I actually think ends up being the last phase of his career. So, um, <laughs> um, but he cuts a promo, uh, like you said. He says they're both college educated, and that Steiner majored, and he kind of looks him up and down and says, "Jim, I guess." Um, <laughs> but obviously, like you said, tells him to go easy on him on his injury. So. Uh, not a bad little promo by Nowinski, but he's still kind of just a dork like he's supposed to be, I guess. Uh, immediately tries to run away. Uh, there was a gnarly belly-to-belly at one point. Kind of uh, Nowitzki didn't quite make it all the way around. It looks like he kind of landed on his head. Um, and I absolutely hate the Steiner recliner. Worst submission of all time. <laughs> There's no way it hurts. Zero chance. You're literally resting your arms on his knees and you're like just sitting there. So it's, there's no way it hurts. Zero percent. Um, I went one uh, just because I like some of the suplexes that uh, Steiner hit. But yeah, like you said, there wasn't much to it. Right. You, you could see the flashes with Dewinsky, like what his character stuff. It's just they never really get any momentum with him. I mean, one is that he never wins anything. And then he's usually either if he faces anybody worth a shit, he loses or either that or he, then he's stuck with like Maven. So he never gets any, mm-hmm. he can't get any traction. So his character never really truly catches on, unfortunately for him. He's like too big to be like in there with the small guys, but he's too small to be in there with like the big guys. He's a very weirdly shaped individual, I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, it's just never caught anything. I mean, he's been a one around for a while now. I mean, for the majority yeah. I've been doing the pod, he's been around and it's just I don't know, he's just relegated to just being a very low card guy on Raw. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but uh we cut to Austin who says the line you alluded to earlier, Logan. He says, uh, what Eric says is the truth. My neck sucks. <laughs> so, uh, 
I know, mincing words. It's a pile of trash, Terry. What can I tell you? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He was talking to Terry. That's true. (laughs) So admitting. So again, but they're still keeping him. Like it's not like he had that one segment. Like they're, he's showing up every now and then. These segments. They're. They definitely want us to know. Like he's not. He's not going to be gone. But uh, (laughs) and then we cut to this. Um, after Austin (laughs) says thing on his neck. Um, Jr. says that. No human being in the history of Earth has ever done anything worse than Eric Bischoff has done to Austin. And I was thinking, yeah, I mean, it's kind of shitty, but definitely some worse things have been done. Like um, Hitler, serial killers, like war crimes. I mean, let's let's uh, pump the brakes there, Jim. The war- I mean, I don't know if he said in the history, but he said no human being has ever done anything worse. Um, and also he said that he... Um, he ruined Austin's dreams. It's like, I don't know about that. Like he's like, I think Austin has achieved a lot of his dreams. He's, you know, went on arguably yeah. the hottest run of any, you know, wrestler ever. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if he ruined his dreams. I mean, I think he's fulfilled his dreams. He's maybe ending his dream, but, and, uh, and then he says that Eric should burn in hell. So, and also it's <laughs> like, he's, they zoom in and he's just staring straight at the camera. He said, King is like, settle down, JR. You're going to get us. On, on Bischoff's shit list again, but just just uh, fire and brimstone from Jared. No human has done anything worse. Maybe a little hy- hyperbolic there, uh, Jim. And they zoom in on him with his cowboy hat and his like vest windbreaker from WWF New York, and he looks like such a jackass <laughs> wearing all the all the gear. Um, but yeah, he just cuts his classic scathing promo where he's just like, Bischoff's the worst human being to ever live on the earth and nobody's ever done this. And like Stone Cold, who's wrestled for probably 20 years at this point, hasn't achieved all of his dreams or has dreams. They ruined his dream. Like he, it's not like he's main evented. It's not like he's main evented WrestleMania multiple times, been WWE champion, like, you know, six or seven times, you you know, it's not like he did all that stuff. So, (laughs) but yeah. Like he's a tough yeah. enough contestant or something, like ruined it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, he deserves to die, and I hope he burns. This is like the rhetoric he usually reserves only for Vince. So uh, mm-hmm. it's a rare company for Eric Bischoff here, but <laughs> not happy. It makes yeah, you wonder. It definitely H- seems. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Him, him and Triple H get a lot of vitriol in this era for sure. It, 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 he he kind of switches from uh, Vince to uh, them too. He really he really dives in on them if they ever do anything like scandalous or uh, a piece of shit like. So um, I think he transfers his uh, hate, hatred to them. But like the way King is selling it, it makes you think that they're going to go back to like Bischoff antagonizing him and King or something. Because like uh, King looks really worried. Like like he didn't want Eric to know that they're that. Uh, JR's talking shit, but <laughs> all right. Speaking of the uh, Bischoff administration, with the Dudleys who are victims, uh, they're conflicted about their current situation. Uh, like, should they just walk out? Do they want to keep doing this? But they need their jobs, etc. But then Morley comes in and tells them that the title match tonight with uh, RVD and King will actually be a three-team elimination match. Um, but that Dudley's only job is to lay down for them. So their job is to eliminate RVD and Kane. And then when it's just those two teams left, they uh, they will just lay down. And the whole thing here is that Bubba is trying to be the cooler head, the more rational one, and just tell Devon that they need to do what they need to do, where Devon is kind of sick of this shit and wants to, you know, if they have to do this, that he does, he, he would rather just get fired. So that's the tension going on here. So it's supposed to be the lackeys in the in the title match coming up. Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to see one of them having a little bit of fire and like wanting to get out of this situation. So it's good to uh, 
good, good to have b- both sides being played. Like Bubba's like, you know, maybe maybe we'll come out on the good end of this eventually. But Deepon's like, no, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to do this anymore. I, I want to go. So it's good to have that little bit of tension. Right. It could possibly maybe sow the seeds of like, are the Dudleys going to switch where Devon quits and, and Bubba kind of embraces the Bischoff administration? We'll see. At least gives something because that story has been kind of running on fumes. So hopefully yeah. it'll give them something to work with. All right. We then cut to uh, Rick Flair, who's in the, uh, I guess, the shower area with his absurdly drippy hair. Like, it's uh, <laughs> ridiculous, like covering his face. I guess he's still sweating from the match earlier. But uh, he taunts Booker T. Booker T's having nothing about it. He freaks out, puts a flare on the wall, and starts threat- threatening him, um, which I thought was good. I thought it was a good fiery Booker T moment here, like <laughs> threatening to pretty much end Ric Flair's life here in the shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in Flair's like gurgling the whole time. He has something like around the neck, and he's just going <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh. So he's really selling it big time. So. Good, good, good little segment for Booker there. <laughs> his, his, his blonde locks just. Uh, oh yeah, just his hair is ridiculous. <laughs> so, so absurd. But uh, good to see Booker that he that he's here yeah. and that he's not hasn't faded either. But exactly. all right, we then go to uh, another another hot match. We're we're flying through these, but there's a ton of matches on the show, and most of them are forgettable trash. But um, <laughs> this one may take the cake. So we get. Um, Again, night after WrestleMania, right? Not quite what we expect today. We had Maven versus Rosie, um, which apparently uh, I had no recollection of this, but this was a, a hot little angle like two weeks ago where I, I guess like they cost her the match or something. No one cares about. This is like a Sunday night. He, I wouldn't even give a Velocity, honestly. I think Velocity is more interesting matches than this. This is like a... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, bottom of Sunday night heat. Uh, just this whole match. I mean, it was all three minutes. It was sloppy as hell. They try and do all these reversals that just look like them fucking flopping all over each other. Like Maven keeps trying to roll up Rosie and Rosie's big ass just cannot do all these roll ups. Like he keeps trying to roll them up. It's like all delayed and like he can't bend his back right. It looks awful. They try to do the Rico interference spot. They botch that because he goes into him like Rosie goes into him with like absolutely no momentum and then requests to like pretend kind of like he got hit um, because Maven is supposed to drop kick him into uh, into Rico and he's completely whiffs on the drop kick, barely makes any contact. Um, I think finally he ends up winning with one of his shitty roll ups. But this was just out. This was not like oh, it was three minutes. It was right. It was like bad. It was three minutes of just awful. Like, I don't know if they executed, like, a single move correctly during this mm. entire match. Like, this is, like, dud city. I mean, I don't give a ton of duds, but this was just, like, nothing redeeming. Yeah, no, I, my, my two notes are dud and what a fucking mess. Um, yeah, they're <laughs> actively they're actively points in this match where they're, like, communicating because neither of them know what the fuck they're doing. They're like... What are we supposed to do? What are you, we we messed this one up. What, what, you know, they're, they're just uh, scrambling big time, and it's it's not good. And you can tell both of them are way way out of their class in this one. Yeah, this is this is straight off of Jack Jacked or Metal or <laughs> Shotgun Saturday Night or something like that. I wouldn't even put this on Heat. Heat Heat has better stuff than this at this point, so I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go as far to put this on Heat either. This is what uh, whatever the show below Heat is at this point. So um, yeah, not good at all. Just terrible. Doesn't make either like, guy look cromulent or anything, so just bad. How do, how can they not do better than this on Raw? Like just anything. I mean, they have so many people. 
Like they have yeah. so they have a huge roster. Like I don't get it. I'm guessing the injuries are just so bad that they don't want to put the people that are kind of you know hurting uh, in in situations where they could get further hurt. I don't know. I, there's got to be something to it. Mm. I, I, I don't know. You'd be better off doing like Rosie and Jamal and just put put like fucking Tommy Dreamer, Al Snow, or somebody with Maven. I don't know. It's, yeah, I think I think Jamal's on the outs pretty much at this point. I think he. Oh, think right, he that's the, true. I think he got in trouble, so it's pretty much Rosie and Rico at this point. So, um, yeah, yes. but yeah, you gotta yeah you gotta put something better than that. And then I mean, we have another match coming up uh, that's pretty much the same thing so um it's better but it's just this two guys that just don't matter yeah in ring has left a lot to be desired so far on the show all right we then get a quick little uh video about king who got to be a guest playboy photographer and he is just uh <laughs> being a creepy asshole man as he normally is and that's about it he was just but he's like talking about because it's weird with this because he like He's not really fully in the King, like, skeezy character. He's being, like, Jerry Lawler, the normal guy. Because I guess they're trying to do it almost like a PR thing, like, because they're in with Playboy with the Tory stuff. So he, he's not going full, like, Creeper King. He's, like, weird. But I guess, like, the real-life <laughs> Jerry Lawler is kind of a creep anyway. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was saying the girl acts like, oh, I, I didn't know I was going to get a photo sh- a photo shoot with the king. Like, she knows at all who he is. <laughs> they literally introduced him to her that day. And she's like, oh, cool, I'll, I'll take some pictures, whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, she has no idea who that, who that is. But she acts all excited, like, oh, the king's taking my picture today. Oh, boy. So, yeah, just yeah, the king. Just like, you, you know he's the king because he has a crown and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I doubt. Uh, what was her name? It was um, something. um. It was, uh, like, like, April somewhere. or something, or... Yeah, like, April Culp or something like that. Yeah, something but like that. Yeah, I doubt she's, uh... I doubt she was doing tape trading to watch the old Memphis footage. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Big Bret Hart, Jerry the King Lawler fan. Uh, you know, <laughs> that, that 93 rivalry. Big, big fan. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we had the Jericho who comes out to the ring, and he, uh, he brags about bringing out the best in HBK at WrestleMania... And that he deserved to win because he was better. It's just absurd logic. Good delusional Jericho here before his match. Like somehow trying to talk his way that he should have won the match and deserved to win. He was better even though he lost. Just good uh, Jericho. But he's going to be facing Booker T, which I thought was this is kind of a a, a pretty legit match to just be thrown out there like it's nothing. Like these are both, you know, two guys that conceivably are, are main eventers, whatever you want them to be. Definitely the highest in the mid card. But uh, mm-hmm. good back and forth between these guys. Pretty fluid transition between each of their big spots. Like um, like Jericho goes to the line, Salt Booker kind of rolls away from it. So they uh, pretty fluid in the offense. Uh, but before the match could really even get going after a couple of minutes, we get a quick DQ where Flair and a Triple H run in. Um, Flair's hair is still flopping. He looks like a sheepdog. Um, so they do the beat down on Booker as uh, Jericho teams up with Triple H. And then HBK comes out to save Booker from the beatdown. Jericho cuts him off and gives him the walls. Booker tries to come in to make the save again, but he gets, the, of course, the Indian death lock that they are enamored with. And uh, it definitely felt like um, this 100%, and we'll find out later that that's where they're going with this, is that this is going to be a tag match either. I didn't know if they were going to do like for next week or if this is where they're trying to go as maybe a little intermediate thing for triple H, but no, I think they're going to do it next week, but it definitely felt like this is, you know, one-on-one on building a, a, 
little tag match between guys that aren't really on a team. But I'm wondering, I was wondering with this, like, is there any juice left to this Triple H Booker thing? As most of these Triple H feuds, like, once they get past the title match, it's they most of them feel like they should just be a one match deal. I kind of feel like that's where I'm at with Triple H and Booker. I don't really see the the need for them to continue to be um, like tied together because I mean Booker lost pretty definitively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things like usually if Triple H loses, like he does the next couple of years, he will take on the guy that he lost to to try and win it back because uh, he's obviously not the champion anymore. Like backlash the next year, he'll try and go back after Benoit. And then the year after that, he tries to go after Batista. So um, it, it makes more sense when he's kind of trying to chase him. But he's pretty much definitively beat Booker. So um, there's no real reason for him to kind of keep that going. Um, but yeah, I mean, this obviously was leading to some kind of tag match, whether that was like maybe what they did at the pay-per-view or whether it was just next week. Um, it was obviously leading to something, uh, the next week, but yeah, like you said, it was a, it was a solid match, uh, that seemed like it was good. Just getting going right when triple H and flair came out. Um, I think the, I think the, the dog uh, reference for flair is uh, spot on. He looks like a wet dog with a real shaggy hair. Um, and then the paper or the promo before the match was good. Yeah. Good delusional Jericho. Like you said, um, just talks about how he should have won just cause he had the better performance or whatever, but, um, just absolutely asshole. And then Sean comes out and save, or tries to save Booker temporarily. And then, uh, we get the, uh, Indian Deathlock wank fest by JR. He talks about it like <laughs> about, about a thousand times. He says, Oh, Indian Deathlock. Oh, it's the most devastating, uh, submission you've ever seen. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, just ridiculous. But uh, I went two stars on the match. I thought it was good enough. Uh, and it seemed like it was getting going. Probably would have gone a little higher if uh, it hadn't ended the way it did. Right. I didn't even end up writing it because I just felt like it was more of a, like it was just leading yeah. into the beatdown. But, yeah, for what they did, it, it was it was pretty good. But, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. It does seem like, too, they're trying to maybe give Booker a little bit of, in their eyes, like, an HBK rub, like associating with HBK is going to keep yeah. him, you know, but yeah, maybe, we'll maybe they'll goes. do like a fatal four way, uh, or something at the pay-per-view with these four. Like maybe they'll make it play out where triple H and Jericho don't trust each other. And then, you know, uh, Booker and Sean kind of want the title. So we'll see where it goes for. Right. Like they obviously want to keep Booker and triple H tied for the mall. Like they, they obviously don't have any plan for triple H, like a new challenge or anything quite yet. So, Mm-hmm. Right. All right. We'll go to another uh, raw special here of a <laughs> fucking random match. Stephen Richards versus Jeff Hardy. I guess this is not supposed to be totally random because, of course, Jeff Hardy's been a. Uh, I don't want to use this wrong. What do they say now? Uh, he's been risen up uh, <laughs> uh, for Stratus. <laughs> so uh, Jeff is. Uh, he is wearing. Um, all white like it looks like he's wearing like a painter's uniform mm. like somebody who like a professional painter not like an artist painter like a um <laughs> like a, a tradesman like in the all white he is <laughs> well he is covered. so it makes sense <laughs> yes he's covered in the glow jizz to the point where okay we start this match and steve is just immediately covered in it like he's blue everywhere um it's just jeff hitting a lot of his normal arsenal the uh the crotch leg drop the jawbreaker um, I thought Jeff took a nice little bump. He missed his little corkscrew deal and he kind of took a, I thought he had some good velocity on that, which in this time frame he doesn't always, cause sometimes it, he's a little bit of a half step slow, but I thought in this match he was kind of, he seemed pretty locked in. 
Um, Victoria comes in to delay the swanton. Trish, of course, comes and stops her. Um, Jeff hits the swanton, takes it as you'd expect. Fine. None of these match. None of these matches are getting enough time to really build anything interesting. I mean, it was fine for getting to see like Jeff Hardy's offense, but other than that, it was. And then you get to see some awkward like Jeff and Trish Stratus flirting after. They have, like, negative chemistry. I'm not buying it. But I, I went a star and a half on the match. It was just kind of a little – it just felt like a Jeff Hardy showcase and an excuse to get Trish and Jeff together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I only want a star. And, yeah, like, all the Trish uh, all the Trish relationships throughout the year, I never really bought into because uh, I knew that she was married. I, I read that somewhere or something like that. So anytime she was in a relationship, she never super seemed into it or whatever. Um, so I, I was like, just, just don't force her to do that kind of stuff. She obviously isn't it. I mean, she was into like the event stuff, but you know, um, that that's, she was kind of trying to prove herself at that point. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to star. Um, I, I love that after Richard's hits like two offensive move, he, he is absolutely smothered in the glow stick jizz. He has it all <laughs> over his face and his arms, his torso. Um, I, this was another pretty pointless match. Uh, really, just to kind of keep Trish and Victoria going, since they're both of the, uh, the the ladies that are going out with these two fellows. So, um, yeah, not not much to it. Uh, obviously, like you said, a Hardy showcase to kind of keep him in your mind. But I, I really think this was more to keep that uh, ladies feud alive without having them have another match. <laughs> right, which is weird because you would think your focus would be on like either Trish coming out and giving like a victory mm. promo or Victoria being pissed, but they were kind of like second banana to this because it was more about the match mm-hmm. with jeff and yeah all right exactly. um all right we cut to stone cold who's saying goodbye to this motley crew the uh the backstage worker guys i guess like the uh i don't know stage hands or something he shakes all their hands individually and says goodbye to them that he's gonna miss them so i didn't know austin was so close to all the boy all the uh, technicians and shit in the back the working man uh, bye fred bye tim Bye, Jack. <laughs> nice to see you guys one more time before I go home with my stack of dimes. Goddamn, God no, you rig up a lot better than anybody on this side. The last guy he shakes hands with before he walks out, I, I, that guy's on a lot of these little backstage segments, so I think he was around for a while. I don't know his name or who he was or what he did, but uh, that guy looked familiar. Other than that, it was just like the local crew that I'm sure helped uh, kind of put the arena together and the ring together and all that kind of stuff. All right, we then go to Test, who's uh, nearly gets caught talking to a lady on the phone. Uh, oh, Jesus. When, his, when uh, Stacey Keebler comes up to him. So this whole thing, like, he could not seem more guilty because she's like, who are you talking to? He's like, oh, nobody. I'm not talking to anybody. And she's like, okay, that's fine. And he's like, why don't you believe me? And she's like, I do believe you. And, like, for whatever reason, he, like, won't drop it. Like, she's like, no, I totally believe you. It's fine. I, I'm not. I'm not suspicious. And he's like, why are you so suspicious? Why don't you believe me? Um, but of course, Goldust is in the background, and you know he's going to get involved. And so he tries to get Goldust to vouch for him, even though he doesn't need to because she believes him anyway. And uh, Goldust says, "Oh yeah, he was just talking to Tori Wilson, Wilson." And uh, <laughs> my favorite thing is, um, he says it with like kind of a Southern accent, like his Texas comes out because he says, uh, "He says he wants to see your naked." He said naked. Pop me. <laughs> wants to see your naked, naked. 
Yeah, there's just great Tourette. You know, he was trying to he was trying to vouch for him, be his buddy, and then his Tourette's kind of kicked in, and uh, he started revealing the real truth. So, but Tess is just such a bad actor. He's so bad at this stuff. I don't know why they constantly try to put him in these situations because it, it's just not good. Never has been, never will be. But uh, yeah, it's it, fun. It was funny for Goldust, but Tess is just so bad. Why don't you believe me? She's like, I don't know. It was the wrong number, you dumb bitch. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, it's fine. I don't care. Like, I'm not, I'm not fine. You're fine. You're good. All good. Such an idiot. All right. We then cut to rock. He does not want Austin to leave. And he, uh, he speaks with the same crew that Austin did, assures that they are all important. Says that everyone's coming to the rocks party tonight after the, uh, after the rock appreciation. It'll be pie all night long. Um, they're all invited. Well, except they can't come into the party. They can they can come, but they can't come in, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and at this point, I believe I saw Matt Sousa in the crew. crew. One of these uh, crew members, <laughs> I believe, was Matt Sousa's doppelganger. <laughs> he would have been a good, uh, like twelve years old, or like tw- twelve years old, or something like that. At this point, so yeah, he was probably in backstage at Raw for sure. <laughs> right. I could see I could see Sousa being a stage trainer at like age thirteen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure he was in the Seattle, Washington area at this point. So. <laughs> right, of course. But yeah, just another ridiculous rock segment. But he pulls it off because he has so much charisma and right. so witty. So yeah, just shitting on the little people and the contrast with Stone Cold. It's it's pretty well done. He looks um, down the hallway for like the little ramp going out, and he's like, "Oh, come on, Austin, come back!" Like he could ever hear him. So um, it's just this giant hallway. <laughs> so I definitely, as we get to the final stretch of this raw, I mean, like we've had a few little entertaining backstage segments, but the show itself has been real. Like, not a whole lot happening here besides like the opening thing where Austin's getting fired, and otherwise, it's been. Not a whole lot. With a little bit with the Triple H stuff, but otherwise, it's been a lot of, a lot of nothing, pretty much. So we'll see if this picks up because we have our um our big uh triple whatever elimination title match for the tag team belt. So Kane and RVD versus the Dudleys versus Morley and Storm. I thought the opening uh face kind of uh, control like uh like the opening fire from the faces is a good kind of clean house. RVD does a big dive, and then we even get like a Kane plancha, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, big red machine uh, doing some lucha shit, but uh, mm-hmm. the bright. Uh, I don't know how you felt or if you noticed this, but I thought the uh, Bubba is not even wearing the camel. He's just wearing his normal as is uh, as we've gotten to on our TNA stuff. Logan, his uh, he's just given up, le- given less and less effort to his attire as his career is going on. But Devon has the it's like the camo, but it's like a bright green. I thought it looked terrible. It was like a like Green Bay Packers colored camo, which I thought looked mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah, rough. Mm-hmm. Right? Antithesis of camo, like bright yellow. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you blending in with? Anyway, it bothered me. <laughs> but uh, Dudleys are actually doing their job at first. They kind of stay in against Kane and RVD so, um, so Morley and Storm could kind of rest and stay fresh. Things sort of break down. RVD misses the splash. In the confusion, Devon, uh, Devon purposely takes the chair from Morley. Uh, but ends up taking a Van Daminator, and the Dudleys get eliminated. So they kind of um, go against the authority and get eliminated because of it. And now we are down to a normal tag match, and they kind of switch to more of a normal tag structure here, like Storm's working the leg. I I liked RVD kind of using the educated feet to break out of that because Storm's trying to get a hold of his legs, and RVD's kicking them and stuff, so that was cool. 
Um, I thought you could feel the momentum building when Kane gets in. Like you kind of feel like they're moving to this hot finish. And they do because they win pretty handily. Choke slam, frog splash, and RVD and Kane are our um, our new tag team champions. So uh, definitely felt a bit like a uh, consolation for not being on Mania, kind of getting shunted to the pre-show or whatever on Mania. So this is kind of a little gift for them. It's a cool moment, and I definitely like the team of Kane and RVD. But they did to me, it felt a little out of nowhere, like very sudden. They could have built this a little bit better and made it more of a moment like they did for uh, Booker T and Goldust. And the only mm. issue now is that you need some kind of – I mean, they're an awesome tag team to be tag champions, but you got to have some kind of tag division or it it just kind of comes off as pointless. Like if they just keep doing this stupid bullshit with Morley and Storm, I don't really – like I'd rather them not be the tag champions if that's all they're going to do because I don't think that's a good use of these two guys. But I went two and a half on the whole package. The match was pretty good. It, you know, they told the story of with the Dudleys and stuff, but – I'm skeptical as to where they're going to go with this with Kane and RVD because it's a lot of talent to squander with a on a show with no tag division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the tag division definitely uh, is pretty non-existent at this point outside of these three teams. So unless you're going to just keep this going, which like it's been going on for a while, like kind of like you said, um, Kane and RVD have been a team for most of the year so far, or, or they've been you know kind of interconnected throughout stuff through most of the year since January. So. Um, and, and they've been feuding with Storm and Morley or Storm and Regal, whatever, whatever team you want to say. And then the Dudleys have been involved for the last uh, month or so. Um, but the crowd was super duper behind RVD and even the Dudleys uh, anytime they were in. Uh, I made that note before Kane had ever gotten in the match, but they were behind Kane too. But they were behind pretty much everybody but Morley and Storm. So um, uh, the Van Daminator that he hits uh, sounded absolutely disgusting that he hit on uh, Devon to get them eliminated. Um, I thought the match was kind of sloppy in spots, uh, not not in a bad way, but it just had a few sloppy spots. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was match of the night so far by a mile. Um, I went two and three quarters on it, so I, I enjoyed it uh, more than the opener, uh, and I thought it was just re- really good compared to the slop that we've been watching for the rest of the show. Right. It was a real match with some kind of stakes and got more mm-hmm. than 95 seconds. I agree. Exactly. Right, so let's give them some. Throw some of these fuckers in tag teams and, and let Kane and RVD have a little run here. Do something. Mm. All right. All right, we keep on going. Uh, we now go to the, our main event, which is the Rock Appreciation. Um, he comes out to the ring, all smiles. He milks the finally thing for a lot of heel heat as he keeps delaying it. Uh, the crowd, knowing what's up, starts some Goldberg chants. Uh Rock, uh, he gloats and he, uh, he knows tells the Goldberg chance a great line here as he says, uh, Hey, don't get too excited just because you know my accountant is Ira Goldberg. That felt like a, <laughs> uh, like a Brian Gowartz line. I don't know if he was working mm-hmm. on him, but it felt very, uh, Gowartz, but that was an awesome line. And, uh, <laughs> then he, then he goes on to say, you know what, if y'all don't like me, y'all can kiss my ass. I'm done. And I'm out of this place. And as he does that, <laughs> the Goldberg music hits, uh, I love this too. It's through this whole Hollywood rock run. He's so good at doing these like quick change, like, cause when the Goldberg music hits, he's like laughing, like he thinks it's a rib. And then when Goldberg really comes out, his eyes just like completely bulge out of his head. Like, <laughs> like he's so good at like switching his um attitude. Like it's so good. But, um, Goldberg comes out a, a pretty big reaction. I would say for Goldberg, not like nuclear, but a pretty mm-hmm. solid reaction. I think, 
Um, but a cool moment, like the novelty of a Rock Goldberg stare down is, is pretty awesome. Uh, and then Goldberg, of course, tells him he's next, spears him. And uh, that's kind of how we, we end the show here with Goldberg's big return. So I was a little surprised because, you know, that they didn't, I could see a world where they just save him for the pay-per-view, but I guess they wanted to get him out there. And of all, you know, this has been a sucky show, but this is, I guess, your post-WrestleMania, like, big return surprise thing, is that Goldberg actually showing up. And it does feel, like, very surreal. Like, uh, and he's got the uh, the Harley jacket on, so he's got a little bit of a different mm-hmm. look. Like, he doesn't come in his normal, um, you know, WCW gear with the black trunks and everything. He's more dressed in street clothes, so that's part of it. But, uh, again, good reaction. It wasn't quite, like, he wasn't getting, like, Goldberg 19... 19- 98 reactions i'll put it that way yeah 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 i mean it, it, it I, th- I think you know that this this show has been not so great at this point maybe maybe stupidly they did it on purpose so this would come off as a bigger moment i doubt that that, that they put that much thought into it i think they just didn't have the guys and that was just kind of the show that they put together but um maybe they did that but um yeah the, the moment's cool uh, i think it's you know i think it was one of those things where this is where you kind of start doing the uh, moment after mania where somebody comes out and debuts um and then there was a there was a moment where bischoff kind of teased it earlier like the biggest surprise is coming uh, in, in this last segment or something like that. Um, but yeah, rock is awesome. Uh, like you said, he goes from not thinking it's real and then his, then Goldberg emerges and his eyes just bulge out of his head pretty much. Um, and then, uh, the, my favorite line of the whole thing is he's doing the finally the rock has come back and he struggle he acts like he can't say Seattle so he's struggling <laughs> and then he finally says finally the rock has come back to see all you jabronis show me appreciation <laughs> tonight so uh, just an absolutely great line and then the Ira Goldberg thing that you said but uh, good 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 segment by the rock and then good debut by Goldberg. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the Goldberg, how this all plays out, because it is, it's coming in, and of course Goldberg's like a, a mega star in wrestling, but like, it has been a while, like, you know, that we are pretty far removed from like all the invasion stuff, and and pretty yeah. far removed from WCW being a thing, I mean, it's been over two years at this point, I mean, I, and they're playing into that, like they do the two years in exile and all his um, promos and stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, it will be interesting, like, how much is he... Like has time kind of faded his shine a little bit, and we'll see how it um how this all plays and how he fits in. It's a it's definitely like a surreal guy to see when he finally showed up in WWE because he was so, you know, you just associate him so much with WCW. So we'll see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but th- this show I felt was pretty kind of average. Like uh, I mean, as far as Raw goes, this was like a baseline Raw to me in that you get a few solid matches. You get a couple cool moments pushing storylines with Goldberg returning, Austin getting fired. But as we've said through the whole show, you also get a Raw is just so much of this worthless, lame filler that you could literally just skip through. Like you get nothing. It's not even entertaining in like a novel way. Like it's not even like these matchups, like, oh, that's kind of a fun random match, though. They just like bad or boring or worthless. So I ended up going five out of ten, very much on the back of like the star power of the the big stars and the developments mm-hmm. with that. And you did get a couple good matches, but for Raw to ever get past just being decent, they got to do something better with that mid card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely go five as well because the the moment at the end was big enough, and the title change was cool uh, as well. The tag title change, um, 
uh, and the opener uh, was better than you would have expected considering the two guys that were in it. So, um, yeah, right, right down the middle, the just the, all the crap that was in the middle. It was like a, it was like a, it was like a sandwich with some really good bread, but the middle parts were just not very good. <laughs> just uh, not, not, not good meat, not good lettuce, just bad stuff. So, um, but yeah, uh, definitely five out of ten, right down the middle. Yep, just drags it down. But all right, and with that, we will go. Um, we'll fly right into SmackDown. So this will be live from Spokane on April third. So we'll see how SmackDown's following up Mania. Uh, Stephanie comes out right from the get go. She puts over um, how great Mania was, and tells us right from the get go that Kurt and Brock aren't here because both of them recover from injuries that they got at the pay per view. Um, she kind of lists off their injuries to show like the physicality of it, and she. She says that, um, not to sound callous, but this is the price you pay if you want to be the WWE champion. So kind of fits the whole SmackDown tone, like the, the tone mm-hmm. SmackDown's been running with since they kind of, you know, since the SmackDown 6 stuff was that it's a more physical show. It's more about the in-ring stuff. So that kind of fits with that. But she then reveals that uh, the a bracket for a number one contenders tournament. So that's the route they're going to go to see who will face Brock. So uh, any thoughts on this? little uh state of the union by stuff here yeah i i I like the idea of the tournament um i do like that she kind of came out and got ahead of it and was like all right Mm -hmm. i i know i know you came here to see the big stars but these two guys are hurt it happened at wrestlemania they put everything on the line and she made them sound like they you know they put everything on the line that they're athletes but they're still humans uh i I like that she kind of got out ahead of it and like you know didn't say anything but and like expected them all night and neither of them emerged so i kind of like that she got out ahead of it and she uh actually says that this is one of the greatest uh wrestlemanias of all time and i would like to amend her and say it's the greatest <laughs> wrestlemania of all time so um <laughs> and she looked great as always uh this uh oh three step is pretty 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 hachi machi so um 100 yeah. mm-hmm. i also like that it kind of i got a chuckle out of her leading with angles like Angle's first injury is the hamstring, not his uh, mm-hmm. neck's that's trash. His neck sucks. He's like, <laughs> he's got a hamstring, you know, Kurt suffered from a hamstring and his neck is made of pudding. Uh, like, <laughs> she's just, like buried the uh, the whole neck thing. His neck is gelatinous, <laughs> but his hamstring's torn uh, also, so. <laughs> right. That's kind of funny, but. Anyway, so that's kind of going to be the story. And you'll, we'll see as the show goes on. They try and use the tournament almost as a way to buoy this, knowing that they don't have uh, the full arsenal of guys here. So we start with a, a real cool match on paper uh, to open the tournament. It's going to be Undertaker versus Rey Mysterio. So um, the size difference really, like, like obviously yeah. it's like, oh, it's, it's crazy. But, like, they even say, good job on commentary, too. Like, they talk about Taker is, like, a foot and a half taller and also 130 pounds bigger. But, like, seeing them next to each other really is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that they're, but when you actually see them next to each other, I was like, <laughs> it kind of blew my mind. It's just an insane visual. <laughs> like, like it, it, he doesn't, but, like, when you look at it, it looks like Ray comes up to, like, his waist. It looks ab- absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But Ray hits a few kicks, gets a nice pop from the crowd as he uh, knocks Taker out the ring. But then as soon as Taker gets back in, he just completely decapitates Ray with a boot, just a vicious boot. Great bumping by Ray for all of Taker's offense here. Um, I thought these guys had pretty good chemistry um, for a big guy and a little guy. Like, Taker, I thought, took all Ray's stuff pretty good. And, of course, Ray just bumps his ass off for all Taker's power moves. Like, uh, 
I like that Ray has to kind of drag him down for the DDT, like has to pull his momentum down. He does hit yeah. the 619. That's done enough. Goes for the West Coast pop. Taker catches him and then uh, nails him with a pretty vicious last ride and uh, takes the win. So a fun match. I wanted more. It was real quick. It was sort of a pseudo squash, but made a lot more interesting by Ray. Just how, um, you know, uh, crafty is just trying to help survive against this guy. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it hurts Ray at all. You definitely expect Taker to take this one. I ended up going two, not because I didn't think it was very good, but just, you didn't get a whole lot from this. Like mm-hmm. I would love to see these two guys do like a, the Jeff Hardy taker match and go like a good 15 minutes. I think that could be like a, a banger, but for what we got, it was good. Two stars. And then taker of course lifts Ray in respect. So it gives him a little, you know, you survived in the dog's yard kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gave him the old Jeff Hardy. You, you did good kid. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, rare matchup to these two. I think, really, the only other time they face each other is that uh, title match they have at the Royal Rumble, like, um, 11 or 10 or something like that, one of those years. Um, but, it, like you said, it wasn't really long enough to accomplish too much. But, uh, you know, Ray got some of his shit in. Uh, I take her got his shit in. And I love the delay on the uh, last ride. He, like, holds him up above mm-hmm. his head. He's like, just because I can. Uh, just for a little bit, and then he just uh, demolishes him with it. But um, yeah, good. It made it made uh, Mysterio look good enough uh, to kind of elevate him a little bit. But it also was like, yeah, Taker's going to advance. Taker's the guy in this situation. Um, but yeah, I went two stars like you. I thought the mask was going to come off on that boot. That boot was oh, God, absolutely yeah, it absurd. Was, it was <laughs> horrific. Mm-hmm. Um. But a fun open. So we start off the term on a pretty good little note here. And then we head to Vince, uh, who wants to know where, when Hogan's going to get here. So uh, hinting at a little bit of a fallout from their matchup mania. And then we go into a, a non-tournament match here. This is going to be a cruiser match between uh, Brian Kendrick and Jamie Noble. So again, and I say this every time, I feel like a broken record. But this is always, I think, one of the strengths that SmackDown has. Like... This Kendrick and Noble match is just going to pretty much be a filler match, but it's like a fun filler match. Like, I'm interested in it. It's probably going to at least get enough time to be. It's not just like, like, these are two guys that have at least gotten shine. Like, Noble was recently champion. Kendrick's been having a little nice little mini push going on. Like, it's these guys at least have something. They're not just like Tommy Dreamer in a stupid WWE shirt against like Maven who's doing jack shit. Like there's at least something to these guys to get you invested. But, um, we get Matt Hardy coming out on commentary. Our Matt facts were that (laughs) Matt was the only Hardy at mania, which is a good Jeff burial. And that he has read his own book 12 times. Uh, so some good Matt facts for us. Um, I also like the, uh, Shannon Morris with him on commentary. And, uh, they talk about how Shannon Moore lost to Brian Kendrick, and Shannon says that it's because he had an earache, and so he couldn't hear the advice that Matt Hardy was giving him. <laughs> uh, I love that so much. Oh, man, I had an earache. I couldn't hear. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, Taz says that Matt's metabolism, since he's been in the Crusade division, has become immune to excessive amounts of banana juice. So I don't know if that means he's getting excessive um you know fellatio or what he's alluding <laughs> to but uh anyway th- this match is just like a fucking full-on spot and i enjoyed it quite a bit like uh like kendra gets some sick elevation on this dive to the outside breakneck pace like 
Kendrick, man, like I've said it since the debut, like he's like balls to on everything. Like his offense, like when he's laying his shit on the other people, when he takes bumps, like he attacks the mat, like he is not messing around. Like, um, it, it's, it's legit looking. All his stuff looks legit, but Nidia pulls the rope. Noble accidentally hits her and that allows, uh, Brian Kendrick to hit the slice bread and pick up a nice little win. I mean, Nice one for Kendrick. He's building some momentum. But like I said, just full-on spot city from this. Just them doing like four minutes of non-weight uh, spot. So I ended up going two on it, but it was a very enjoyable like four minutes. It's a, a very good two here. A good solid two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I went to as well. Uh, it was a really good match. Uh, but it, it, it points felt like a vehicle just for Hardy and Taz to riff uh, the whole time about the banana juice and Hardy's diet. Uh, they even talk about the morons at one point, which are the Shannon Moore followers. So um, they talk they talk about that for a few minutes. But yeah, Kendrick's awesome uh, in this in this uh, run so far. Um, I hope they continue to use him and kind of push him forward in that cruiserweight division. Um, and, and Noble holds up his end as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, just to, like like you said, just a breakneck pace. They pull out a ton of moves, um, and the commentary doesn't hurt it at all because they're they're freaking hilarious throughout this whole thing. So, uh, just awesome stuff. Uh, but yeah, two stars like you. Yeah, Matt immediately tosses Kendrick, um, grabs a mic, and challenges Brock because um. He wants it to be champion versus champion. So if Brock can get over that fake concussion, then next week they can do champion versus champion. So just real random of Matt, just throwing it all out there, <laughs> challenging Brock Lesnar here, um, mm-hmm. really feeling himself. Um, Kendrick tries to come back. He gets laid out again. Uh, but, yeah, interesting move, but it matches uh, it matches the Hardy character that he's kind of full of himself and thinks that he can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then we get a uh, we get another FBI vignette showing them on the streets. Um, I've liked these; they're quick, quick hit. But again, because for some guys who are could just be like nobodies on here, at least gives them like a character, shows us what they're about. Like get you a little bit more invested in them. Like that way, they're not just a bunch of jamokes when they come out. So I dig this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I think they were like stealing a TV. Uh, in this one, they had like uh, taped up the guy on uh, next to the brick wall or something like that. But yeah, just a good little segment to kind of put them over and uh, keep them in your mind. Right, and like shows their banter between each other, talking about mm-hmm. like uh, what chicks they're banging or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we then get some footage from the uh, from the pay per view from WrestleMania. They show Brock suffering from the concussion after the match. Taz uh, goes solemn, serious Taz, puts over the severity of it. They show uh, some slow-mo angles of the shooting star press. So um, going off like what you said earlier, like, like with Steph getting ahead of it, they're not like shying away from it. And they're like, look, no, the dude's really hurt. Look at this. He smashed his fucking brain on the mat. Like he needs a mm-hmm. week off despite being a monster. So again, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of down with that, I should say. Yeah, 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 I mean, he he went fucking forehead first into the into the mat, and, and that mat is not forgiving. I can guarantee you that. So, um, but yeah, uh, it, it it was you know like they probably wouldn't show that nowadays because uh, kind of touch and go with like head stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, it was good to kind of get out in front of it and be like, this is what happened. This is the angle, or you know, you can obviously see right here that this happened, and he's obviously hurt. You can see that he's completely out of it after the match. So it's even more of a testament that he fucking got up 
up and hit the F5 after that. Because, like, you know, the fact that he even finished and won and hit a move is, like, good lord. Yeah. Mm. Insane. All right, we're then told that next week Piper's Pit's going to return. So, apparently Piper's WrestleMania (laughs) appearance was not just a little cameo. He'll, uh, He'll be around. And then we go to our next tournament match, which is going to be Chris Benoit versus Albert. So kind of another big man, little man, not quite the discrepancy we saw earlier, but similar <laughs> vibes, I guess. But uh, this whole thing, so we, we start off and it, a lot of it is Benoit trying to ground a train so he can lock the cross face, cross face on, which he does for uh, early on. But uh, train's able to use his uh, massive frame to roll out of it. Um, and then he, he, what he gets out of it, he locks in this, like, I don't know what, even Taz didn't know what the fuck to call this thing. It was like a Taz called it like a camel clutch variation, but like, it was like his feet, Benoit's feet were off the ground, but it was, it's pretty badass. I don't know what, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Did you know what this was called, Logan? Were you? No, I, I just called it a camel uh, clutch suplex type maneuver. Cause he, he turns it into like a suplex kind of thing and it's fucking awesome. So, uh, yeah, when yeah. they. When they lock a hold and Taz doesn't know, I'm like, yeah, I got no shot. Because Taz is pretty good on knowing the, uh, you know, all these holds. So, yeah, but it was awesome. Him but, like uh, a, yeah, he's got him in like a camel clutch with his with his arms, but his legs are like on top of his thighs somehow. So it's just, it's, it's insane strength. And then the fact that he like flips him and slams him on his back is amazing. It was awesome. He launches Benoit to the corner and they kind of play up that he's working over the neck here. Hits the decapit, um, slam him into the ropes. Um, they do kind of get that uh, Albert's maybe stalling a little too much to gloat. Benoit finally takes advantage, hits the Germans, hits the flying head, but but Albert has his foot on the ropes. Um, it looks like maybe that's going to be in the Benoit as A Train goes up for the derailer, but Benoit is able to reverse it, drags him down into the cross face. Um, I love the spot at the end too. Like they could have just went and he goes down face and wins, but like. They fake that Albert's going to get back up, and Benoit kind of uses the momentum and kind of springboards off the ropes to drop him back down. So I thought it was a cool little variation on the end right there. Uh, but he ends up tapping Albert and advances in the tournament. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I dug this match. Uh, I thought it was a good physical matchup. It built like Benoit surviving. Again, I like all the little touches like at the end, him uh, using the ropes for some leverage to get the uh, the cross face in. And I thought Albert looked good. He had that insane camel clutch move um i thought all his offense looked good i mean he is with benoit so you expect it but albert's like impressed me in this run like he's he's -hmm. shown in this little a train run that he's not just like a big slug like he's got an arsenal like and uh i think when he gets a a guy like this that can go with him he's shown that he could hang so i ended up going three on i thought it was a fun little gem of a match yeah, yeah, I went three as well, and yeah, I'm starting to learn in this run, like like you said, that like that that's why he's such a good coach in the PC and all that, because he's like the head uh, trainer in the uh, NXT and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm starting to understand like how how he's so good at that kind of stuff, because he's real good at these TV matches. Um, and like you said, he's been real impressive in this run, and I don't remember him being like this at all. Um, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I was younger when this happened live, so uh, <laughs> I may not have paid attention to things like that. But um, there, there were some brutal knees that uh, A Train hit to kind of start things. We've talked about the like suplex movie does; it was awesome. Um, 
just major brutal clubbing blows by train throughout the whole match. Um, the ease with which Benoit hits the German on a train will never not be incredible. He just, I feel like he just lifts him like he's a feather. Um, it just takes him over his head and dumps him. So, uh, pretty awesome stuff. And then just, just it was just a great match. I thought it was hard hitting physical, uh, and two guys that can really go. So I, I'm like you, I went three as well. Awesome. Yeah, so the tournament, again, knowing I think they did a good job on this show of like loading this up with these tournament matches where it feels like there's some stakes involved and they can kind of fill this show out knowing that they don't have the big gun. So smart move. It's helped. Uh, uh, we cut to Vince, who tells us that uh, he's going to do something with Hogan that he should have done a long time ago. And then we get a Sean O'Hara promo uh, vignette where he says the laws are just suggestions. You've sped uh, and not gotten a ticket. <laughs> you uh, drank before you were 21. I don't know what they're doing with us. I don't know. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Horanus. Yeah. Just awful. <laughs> anyway, the tournament continues. All right. We have seen in Eddie's another like uh, awesome match on paper and one historically that seems like a, a pretty cool one. Uh, Cena in his, in his uh, bullets gear here, so with the throwbacks, he starts with a nice delayed vertical, and then Eddie fires up and gets going, starts hitting all of his arsenal here. He uh, hits the uh, the rolling suplexes, are always great. Uh, sick missile drop kick here. Uh, Cena starts to panic as he knows Eddie's getting the better of him, so he goes for the chain, but gets it kicked away. Eddie kind of makes a bit of a dumb move here, worrying about the chain, that gives, uh, but the ref takes it from him. That gives Cena enough time to regroup. Uh, uh, I liked Eddie knowing, like I said, just missing the splash. It's almost like he knew as he was going that he was going to miss it. So he just rolls through it. But mm-hmm. Cena meets him in the other corner, gets him up and wins with the FU that at this point, they aren't even calling the FU. They just call it a straight up death Valley driver. So, uh, a big win for Cena. Uh, and it was kind of odd. Like he, he didn't really get a whole lot of offense in this. Like he got mm-hmm. the suplex in the beginning and it was just kind of him surviving Eddie shit. And then pulling off the uh, hidden FU at the end. But another quick turning match, but uh, I thought a pretty satisfying one. And I also, we haven't talked about the winners, but I feel like the winners have made sense. I mean, I think for Eddie, I don't think Eddie needs this as much as Cena. I think putting Cena forward in the tournament, and now he's set to face Taker, I think this is a good spot for Cena to start to try to elevate him. So I feel like I'm doing the same rating on a lot of these tournament matches, but I feel like they all have like a similar vibe. So I end up going two on this one too. And again, not like yeah. it's none of these are great, but I would say they're they're not always like amazing, but they are like satisfying. After you watch them, like, all right, well, that was fun. That was a good few minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm kind of the same exact as you all the way through. I went two as well. Um, I wondered if Cena realized that the bullets played in the other Washington, not in Washington State. They play in Washington D.C. So I wondered if he <laughs> kind of flubbed that one. Um, I think he read, or I think he changes into another jersey later that may have been a team that was from actual Washington. So I think he was uh, good on that one. Maybe somebody told him and was like, "Yeah, you know the bullets are from Washington D.C. and not Seattle, Washington, or Washington State." Um, but I, I just thought that was funny. Um, but uh, Cena showed some good aggressiveness early. I just thought he showed that he wanted to win the tournament to prove himself and then kind of get some revenge on Brock because him and Brock have had some stuff uh, before Mania um, that they had had some backstage stuff. I think they actually, the 
show before Mania, they had had like a little backstage segment at the end of the show. So there's a little bit of a rivalry there. So he kind of wants to get some revenge on Brock for kicking his ass. Um, that missile drop kick that you talked about by Eddie was awesome. thought it was a really solid back and forth match. I think this one might have gone. A t- I think I, th- I felt like this one was a tad long in in spots. Um, and like he wasn't real sure of the fu at the end. I feel like he held him on his shoulders for a really long time. I feel like they were talking and like he wasn't sure if he could get him all the way over or something like that. But um, yeah, solid back and forth match and a good spot for Cena for sure. Right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to taking one. We'll we'll see him talk about it in a second. But um, uh, Hogan, Jimmy, and uh, Nick Hogan arrive in their limo, so not <laughs> much more to say there. And now we hit to the ring for Tori Wilson's Playboy coming out party. Um, she thanks everyone for wanting to see her naked. Those are her words. And she teases that maybe she'll come out uh, right now when it starts to act like she's going to unzip her uh, top. But she is interrupted by Sable making her... <laughs> Like random return. No one ever thought she would be back. Supposedly, like she had, I think she had like sued WWE and all that shit, mm-hmm. and like were on mm-hmm. really bad terms. But yeah, it's WWE. No one's ever going forever. Um, she says that it's actually her coming out party because she's back. And just like when she left, all the men want to be with her, and all the women want to be her. Just like Tori, who's doing Playboy, just like Sable did. But it's okay. That's many people would say there's not enough room for both of them, but they can be best friends. And then gives a very sensual pseudo kiss to Tori on the lips. Everybody is, they're very much about doing this. Like everyone who interacts with Tori, all these women want to do this, like uh, you know, seductive uh, lesbian stuff with Tori. But uh, but obviously a very un. I mean, at least I mean I would think at the time very unexpected. Uh, I've never been the biggest Sable fan, but I get the appeal. Mm-hmm. It's another one almost like, I mean, it's like what I said about Goldberg, but like to another degree, because it's been even longer since she was anywhere near anything. But mm-hmm. I do like the role here that they, they've they kind of got her in as like the uh, kind of like the veteran kind of cougar that's coming in and like mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> seeing what all these new ladies are all about. Like, I kind of like that as her role. I think it kind of fits her as more of a heel like that. So I'm interested to see where they go with it. But it's a very, very random return. Yeah, very out of nowhere, and yeah, she had a lot of bad blood, a lot of lot of lawsuit stuff uh, with WWE when she left. So it was it was a question of whether they even wanted her back, or if you know if she would ever want to come back. So and, you know, even if she wanted to come back, whether they would want to sign her again or not, because it could have ended just as badly the second time it did the first. So, um, but yeah, real random, uh, out of nowhere. She's uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Sable. I'm not like. I don't think she's like the super hottest female they ever had in her first run, but she has kind of like a like a seductive cougar, milfy kind of energy uh, in this run. Or for for some reason, she looks a little hotter in this uh, run for me. Uh, and then the the whole kiss uh, with them uh, definitely got me excited for sure because Tori's one of my all time favorites. So um, interesting to see where this one goes forward. <laughs> yeah, this almost feels like the role like Sunny would have eventually been in if she wouldn't have been such a disaster in her mm-hmm. real life. Like, it seems like this is kind of what she would have maybe been in this era, but I kind of dig it. Cause mm-hmm. we're so used to anytime they have the women, it's always like, who's the hot new thing. So it's kind of cool to have someone that was been around a while ago and now is kind of coming back to talk shit about all the young guns. So I kind of dig that dynamic. Something newer. I feel like that they've done, I mean, they've done it with like elderly women, but <laughs> 
like with me, young, <laughs> but not like this. So <laughs> it's intriguing. It's at least intriguing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to see where it goes for sure. All right, we'll then go to our boys' team angle. They're going to be facing uh, Tajiri and Funaki, kind of throwing together a team here. Uh, pretty basic stuff to start here. Team angle running hot, riding high off of their big win at WrestleMania. We uh, They cut off the Tajiri kick sequence in the middle, um, showcasing all the team angle offense. They hit their awesome uh, double-team leapfrog mood. They look completely in sync throughout this entire thing. But we get the hot tag to Funaki, who's letting them loose. Um, the hot tag Funaki. <laughs> Champs look like they're in a little danger. But uh, we work to the finish, which I really dug. It's like just as Funaki and Tajiri look like they're getting a little bit of momentum, um, just so seamless with the teamwork. Like Benjamin cuts off, um, clips Funaki's knee, and then Haas jumps right on him and hits the Haas of pain for the tap. So I just love the teamwork of these two. Like they feel like a real... Like, they feel like a team, like a tag team. That sounds stupid. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, Tajiri and Funaki or Tajiri and Funaki, like, Team Angle feel like a team. Like, just the way they work together through this. And I felt like that's pretty much what this was, just a little showcase for them after their big win. So I ended up going two and a quarter on it just because, you know, Funaki and Tajiri can go. And I just thought Team Angle looked fantastic in here, in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually went a little bit higher. I went two and a half. I thought Tajiri and Funaki really put their working boots on for this match. I thought they delivered some real stiff kicks and some awesome moves throughout. Like you said, uh, Team Angle is just, they're, they're so seamless. They seem like they've been tagging for forever together. Um, like our, I mean, that their experience level just gives that impression off that they've been tagging for years. Um, I love the Haas of Pain as a, a submission move. I'm not sure if it really hurts that badly, but it seems like it is uh, pretty painful. So I, I am a big fan of that move. But yeah, really solid tag match. You wouldn't have thought looking at the people in this match that it would have probably been a two and a half star match. But I really enjoyed it and I thought it was really great. So good stuff. Very good. All right. We all we now see that FBI, they want to sit down with The Undertaker. They want to discuss business. So we'll see where that goes in a second. But we cut to Cena with a, one of his most ridiculous lines of any of these. They He's talking about how he knows he's the underdog against Undertaker next week. And he says that he knows his chances of beating Taker are slimmer than a bus of anorexic women. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I like... I almost had to pause at that point, but um, he hits a few other lines of this, but that's the one I noted. I was just like, couldn't yeah. just like that out of context. Like we should mm-hmm. just like, that should be sent to people like about Cena, but um, he says anything could happen, but I, I, I say it every time, but the raps are memorable. Like when he starts getting into mm-hmm. him, he does some, so he's leaned a little bit less into the silliness lately as he's mm-hmm. become more of, I guess like a tweener character not just a straight heel. Like with, um, who was it with fucking Bull Buchanan? Now he's a little bit more of a tweener. His raps are not always as silly. They're funny, but not as silly. And like, yeah. it does make you kind of concentrate on his promos. And like, you listen to what he's saying because he is <laughs> doing it in this different sort of way. So I, it's, I have to say it's working. Yeah, I was like, he throws a funny line in there, but he comes off as aggressive and like real intense, and like he wants to he wants to beat that beat the crap out of whoever he's facing next, and like he. he whoever opponent he has next so yeah definitely definitely getting better um and yeah i thought this one was pretty good but yeah he has the one funny line that you said so um good stuff for sure 
Yeah, I like that they they haven't leaned into making him like a Malibu's most wanted, you know, like Vanilla Ice, like a yeah. complete joke. Like, mm-hmm. I actually think that's a interesting way to take this. Uh, but then we go mm-hmm. to the uh, the FBI confronting Taker. I like the way they set this up, like they're in this like dark room with the <laughs> salt and pepper shaker <laughs> on the table, like they'd be in an Italian restaurant. But um, mm-hmm. but they tell him that the only reason they whack Nathan Jones is because of what what they did to to Palumbo. Uh, Taker says he understands, he agrees that everyone should be held accountable, but not at WrestleMania. They screwed him over at WrestleMania, um, so he does not want to bury the hatchet. And Nunzio says that they had no choice, and here comes Nathan Jones. Uh, they Nathan are, Jones! Kind of have a stare down, as it <laughs> seems that uh, are, there's some still some tensions here. So I'm, all I took from this is like, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird spot for Taker, because he's in this tournament but now he's fucking around with these guys and has nathan jones still attached to him but i just wonder now like i don't really recall what they where nathan jones goes from here so i don't i i, I just want to know like where do Nowhere. we go with this? <laughs> <laughs> right. like, how is this gonna like fizzle out like where are we going with this <laughs> is the fbi gonna whack him officially like kill him i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not real clear where this leads. Obviously, I guess we'll get get into it in the next few weeks. But um, yeah, I, I mean, and, and and is freaking Taker gonna take on the FBI? Is he gonna freaking take on Nunzio or Johnny the Bull or Palumbo? Like he would cream any of those guys. So um, yeah, I, I'm not real sure where this one heads. I know Jones isn't around too much longer. I won't say it's like next week or two weeks from now, but I'm pretty sure he's out uh, fairly quickly as they learn that he's not very good <laughs> i did think they they felt like at least like like they were kind of holding their own sitting there with taker like i think they've done yeah. enough to establish the fbi where they don't come off as total goofs which is good like they mm-hmm. so I, I like that part of it all right no yeah absolutely nunzio mm-hmm. came off as a good leader and like he had confidence mm-hmm. uh, in that segment where you know he could kind of fall uh, fall uh, down a little bit uh, being with Taker, you know, uh, obviously feeling the pressure of the situation or something like that. But I thought Nunzio delivered his lines well, and he was, uh, yeah, he seemed like he was real confident. And N- Jones, for one, he came in. I thought he, you know, he stood there, looked menacing like he's supposed to. So I think the segment was good overall, but I'm I'm not sure really where this one's going. Right. I'm not sure they know, to be honest. So we'll see, how, we'll see as it goes on. <laughs> All right, we go to our last uh, match in the last tournament match of the night, uh, which is going to be Rhino versus Big Show. So we get uh, some slow Big Show offense to start. Lots of tosses to Rhino. Um, Again, more Big Show tossing, plodding around the ring. Big ride dodges. uh, Big Show uh, flying into the corner. Show hits the posts. Um, he does a shoulder block in the corner and then hits the gore, but a train comes in and interferes for the DQ for kind of a lame finish for what was kind of a lame match. I ended up going to star on it, which I thought was kind of generous. Even, um, big show is not looking too impressive in here. Even tossing around a bigger guy. I just felt like he was, I don't know. He looked like he was ready to take a nap in this one. Yeah, I, I was a little bit higher on on it than you. I went a uh, star and a half. I didn't think it was a bad match, all things considered, but it was pretty much a squash by the Big Show, uh, where Rhino actually pulls out the victory somehow. 
Big Show dominated like this whole thing. Rhino hardly got anything in. And I love that it took the bicycle kick for the ref to call for the referee or call for the DQ because he hit him with about mm-hmm. 50 punches before that. So I don't know why right. 50 <laughs> punches before the bicycle kick worth the DQ, but he hits the bicycle kick and that's the disqualification. So, right. Like um, it's like if he was playing SmackDown on PlayStation, like as long as you hit yeah. X, you go get DQ'd. Just hit yeah. strikes and there's no DQ. Yeah. You get that finisher in though and you hit it. It's, it's, it's Dunzo. It's called ball, ball game. So, yeah, I, I you know, I, and it's kind of weird uh, that they matched uh, Benoit and Rhino or the semifinal on that side of the bracket. So, uh, you know, they've been teaming lately, which I guess is the reason they kind of did it. But, you know, it, it's kind of weird to have them matched up on the on the same side. But, yeah, not not a super impressive match, but I liked it a little bit better than you did, I guess. <laughs> Albert kind of Albert kind of fucked his buddy over in this, right? Like just uh, interfered, yeah, like, cost him his tournament yeah. spot. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it's aggravated that he lost, but it was like kind of a dumbass oh, move. I mean, Rhino's still gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. We now get Vince for our main event promo. He heads to the ring and he says that he underestimated Hogan and he should not have denigrated Hogan's name. It's such a Vince word, denigrated. Uh, <laughs> Hogan comes out. He's very apprehensive, of course, of Vince's change of heart. Um, when Vince says, uh, he admits, you beat the hell out of me, Hogan. He offers Hogan his hand. Hogan doesn't want it at first. He has a change of heart and ends up shaking Vince's hands. Um, the music hits. It seems like they reconciled. Uh, but he, uh, they cut the music, uh, and he says, actually, thank you, Vince, for everything. Vince goes to the top of the ramp. Um but then the music stops again. Vince gets back on the mic. He's like, thank you, Hogan, for the memories. Because that's all you'll have is the memories. Because that's the last time you will see Hulk Hogan in a WWE ring. And he says that um, he's not going to fire him. He's going to get to keep his contract. But he gets he will pay him to stay home. And he says, at home, Hogan, you're going to rot. And when you're rotting at home, Hulkamania will die of leprosy. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. I don't expecting. think Vince knows how med- medical uh, stuff like that works. I think he just says stupid shit like that all the time. Die of le- and you'll die. A leprosy. Oh, God. So then he tells Hogan to go to the parking lot. And so I feel like this whole thing, you're waiting for something to happen that never actually happens. Like, mm-hmm. so he goes, so Hogan follows him out to the parking lot. Vince Laura is like waiting by the limo between these trucks lures him there. And then these police come out and block him. And so you're wondering like, who's in the limo. We see that Jimmy and his son, Nick are in there. So you think like, is, is Vince about to kidnap Jimmy and Nick? Like, but instead he just moves out the way. He's like, get in the limo, Hogan, you have to leave. And it's like, okay, I think he was probably going to leave anyway, but I don't know. And then we just leave on that. And Vince throws Hogan stuff in the, in the trunk it like kicks and says you're gone bah, you're gonna rot etc etc and like that's how we end the show so i feel like, i don't know it just felt kind of anticlimactic i thought something crazy was gonna happen yeah. it just it just didn't he's just like you get in the limo and like it's like <laughs> you thought maybe he's like leading like he's gonna hit him with a car or something it's just like a strap <laughs> or he's gonna get jumped but it's not he's just like get in the car and leave it's like okay like i don't know it just wasn't the biggest revelation like I don't know. It just feels like they need to end this feud now. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, this whole segment felt like they, 
they felt like they needed to do something Hogan and Vince because it's like you don't have Kurt and Brock. So what was like the next biggest match on the SmackDown side? And it was this. So do something. But then I didn't feel like they really had much to do. So they just went out there and did this like 15 minute segment. They kept dragging and it didn't. It was just like Vince firing him pretty much. I don't know. It was too long for what it was, I guess. Yeah, it was very long. Uh, th- they just needed to separate them somehow because you're not going to do Vince and Hogan again. It was such a blow-off, big, huge match that they had promoted for Mania. Um, so they, they need to separate them somehow, but like he, he's sending them home, uh, but he's going to pay him his contract through the rest of the thing. So um, I, I, well, somehow in both shows we get the authority figure quote, basically firing people. Um, so that's kind of weird that that happened in both segments. It kind of opened one and closed the other. Um, but yeah, it's just a way to kind of write Hogan off, but I think Hogan kind of stays around at the same Mm -hmm. time, but maybe he needed to kind of rest up some stuff before he officially came back. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just makes Vince, uh, seem like he's turned the corner and then he basically reveals he's a piece of shit the whole time because he was basically threatening violence on (laughs) fucking jimmy hart and nick hogan so he was like i'll beat their ass if you don't get in the limo so yeah i guess like wwe is they like conditioned me to expect crazier stuff than this i guess so when (laughs) it's just something pretty standard like this i'm kind of like like especially at vince i'm expecting him like crash the limo and catch it on fire some insane shit and like uh, i felt like they they thought they needed an angle like because they don't have they didn't have a big angle on this show really and so they're like, uh, get Vincent Hogan out there and do something. But they, they didn't really do all that much. Yeah, yeah you kind of expected Hogan to like emerge through the sunroof or something like that and pull Vince in as it drives off or something like that. So, But yeah, you don't really get much. Hogan just kind of leaves and is like, okay, I, I don't want you to hurt my kid and I don't want you to hurt my buddy, so I, I'll leave, you psychopathic moron. <laughs> so, Leprosy. Yeah, you don't understand medical. <laughs> I was not expecting him to say leprosy. <laughs> Good God. I mean, I think he's got the idea. You kind of do rot through leprosy, but right. like, you can't do <laughs> just, I don't think he understands how that works. Such a Vincism. Just such a Vincism. Such yeah, a but Vince he says line. some stupid shit like that throughout the years all the time. Like, just random diseases that they're like, you, you can't just get uh, <laughs> sitting, sitting there, you know? Uh. Um, all right, but that's how we end the show. It this SmackDown definitely felt like the Turney stuff definitely carried it. It kind of kept it entertaining, but it definitely felt like they're holding serve. Like not a whole lot of development besides the tournament. Didn't get a lot of big angles. You got the Sable return, but you know you don't get a whole lot going. The main event it was just mostly matches, which were for the most part pretty entertaining. So actually, with the same scores raw for like a different reason. Like I felt like these two shows were kind of like the opposite of each other like raw had some good angles not so much in ring and i felt like smackdown was a lot more entertaining in ring but you didn't have a whole lot going on in the show so i kind of put it the same rating mm. yeah i get that I, I would go probably touch higher go six on on smackdown just because the matches were better um mm-hmm. like you said you don't get the angle stuff that you get on a raw or on raw and you know it it, it definitely missed kurt and brock being there but obviously they're out for good reasons um uh and kurt will be out for a while but brock uh is supposed to be back next week uh to answer that challenge for matt hardy so um but yeah smackdown was uh, we'll get into the awards and stuff but smackdown was definitely better um it definitely had better matches um but i, I enjoyed i enjoyed both um for well, different reasons, obviously, but um, yeah, I, I thought SmackDown definitely came out on top. Yep. 
All right. Uh, best match. I actually went uh, Benoit and Albert as my best match. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, what I went with as well. All right. Best moment. I think I got to go with Goldberg. I mean, it's the biggest moment. Yeah, a hundred percent. You, I mean, you you would like to go with some, some kind of something that happened in our match, but that that uh, that that uh, debut was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, best show. I think I'll lean with you. Usually, if it's more of a tie, I'll lean SmackDown because it's just a little bit tighter of a show. Usually, like it goes by a little quicker. But I think this is a for me. This was a close, a, a fairly close week as far as what it usually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was just the, I, I'm more into the in-ring stuff, I guess. So mm-hmm. I, I SmackDown just uh, lapped Raw in that department, I felt like, this week. So uh, I would have to go with that for sure. All right. LVP, um, it was definitely going to be Maven or Rosie. I'm going to give it to Maven because, I don't know, he whiffed on that drop kick and that was awful. Mm-hmm. But I could have given it to either one of them. That match was awful. Mm, you gave it to Maven, I'll give it to Rosie. So we'll, we'll represent <laughs> both go. people in that match. So there you go. <laughs> MVP was tough on these because, uh, like, I almost want to go Goldberg, even though he didn't do all that much. Maybe Rock because he was kind of like, uh, I don't know. I'm between go who Jeff for MVP. This is a tough one for MVP. There weren't like a huge standout performances here, and SmackDown was so like match centric. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to pick one guy who really stood out. Rock is probably the answer, but I think I may give it to A Train. I really like that match, and I really like his physicalness and the and the interference as well. So I think I'm going to give it to A Train. We should do A Train, like the only time A Train's probably ever going to win yeah, MVP. The best thing is like you're probably never going to give it to A Train again. So Go ahead. <laughs> Goldberg returns his MVP. Fucking A Train, baby. <laughs> it was a bald guy. It just wasn't the bald guy. <laughs> we are on the train. The big. Uh, what do they call him? The big, uh, the, the grizzly bear or whatever. Taz yeah, because he's fucking <laughs> is all hell. <laughs> um, top five, definitely um, Rock was awesome on uh, Raw as he's been. Uh, I don't know. I'll probably go RVD and Kane, just their team mm-hmm. with their big title win. That was awesome. Definitely Benoit and, uh, mm-hmm. and Albert. We already said Albert's our MVP. Um, Cena had May thrown in there, right? I, I was about to say that too. Cena too. Between the match and then the promo, he's really starting to out. He's starting to get himself over. I feel like I think he's doing pretty well. Um, I thought Taker too. I thought Taker had a good showing in the Ray match. I thought he did well working with Ray. I thought he was mm-hmm. good in the little FBI segment. Yeah, anybody else? Um, maybe just pack all the cruisers together, like Noble mm-hmm. and Kendrick and Funaki yeah, yeah. and Tajiri. I thought they had good showings for what, what, what they were put into. So, um, I mean, if you want to do that, like just pack them all together. I thought they were pretty good. So, um, yes. but yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, well, now Booker kind of looked shitty in that, uh, after, in that post-match attack. So yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so that kind of wraps us up, Logan. So that's chapter one of this little jaunt as you're going to join me for until we get to backlash. Would you like to put over anything you have going on here? I know you have quite a few shows. Yeah. Um, I, I'll kind of let you talk about the ones that we're on together. I'll, I'll kind of talk about the uh, other stuff that I do. Um, chicken salad uh, on the wrestling feed. Uh, we watch the worst pay-per-views of all time. Um, and just kind of talk about them, just go through the show. Um, Seven Months of Danger here on the North-South Connection. Uh, We're going through the Dangerous Alliance storyline. 
Uh, we're about halfway through at this point. Uh, we'll be recording some new episodes coming up uh, in a, in like a week or so. Um, Starflation is another one that I do with uh, Ben and Callum. We go through uh, Dave Meltzer's five-star matches and kind of re-rank them on the uh, new seven-star scale. And then Who's Next is a pod that I do with Andy Atherton where we go through current day NXT. Um, and I do have a new pod coming out, but I'll kind of keep that one close to the vest. So, yep, that's it. <laughs> Very good. We, of course, also do uh, Highway to the Impact Zone on the Place to Be, Place to be Nation feed um, where we go, we're going through uh, TNA. We are in uh, early, getting to mid-2006 at this point. And we also do YouTube Roulette with Scott Shiflett, Matt Souza, and technically Sean, I guess, <laughs> when, if he ever shows up, where we, where we pick random matches and live watch them and run our mouths over it. Uh, I would also hey, like to hey, put wait, over... Wait. This is a, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the thing is he 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 gets all into the scheduling and then he never shows up. So like he's like super schedule guy and then he's like, oh, yeah. I can't make it. <laughs> You'll pick a match asking us if we picked our match yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even though it doesn't matter if we pick it five minutes before we record or not because we watch <laughs> it during the show. But anyway, um, real quick, I want to give before we peace out, I want to give a quick shout out to a, a new pod here on the North South Connection as GC Dub, a game changing podcast. Our uh, good friends Jennifer Smith and Matt Souza talking GC Dub. Um, they're huge fans, uh, very knowledgeable about it. So be sure to check that out if you're uh, if you're a GC Dub fan, or if you're not, check it out because I might make you one. Um, I know we've all kind of gotten more into the GCW stuff uh, more recently after going to the live shows and stuff. So check it out. Um, they are uh, they are awesome. So check that out. And uh, yeah, Logan, we will be back in a couple weeks, and we will see uh, how they follow this up. We'll see if. Uh, uh, Cena beats Undertaker who's going to win this tournament and uh, what's going to play out with this Goldberg deal so um, we will see you next time on the with Wrestling Podcast later Leprosy <laughs> <laughs>